Welcome back, everybody. You guys are listening to the Down to the Wire podcast. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and we have a very we have a really good show for you guys tonight. Uh, we have a special guest in, in the house tonight. Uh, you know, he's he was on a couple episodes back at this point. John Warren is in the house. John, how are you doing, man? Hey, guys, uh, we're doing good. Um, yeah. Proud to be back. Happy yeah. To be back. Yeah, no, John, it's it's glad to have I'm glad to have you back. Unfortunately, Tyler is out again tonight, but, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, we got a whole lot of stuff to, d- to dive into tonight. We are going to be talking some we're going to be talking some NFL news. We're going to be talking some Masters news. Uh, and, you know, we're going to just be talking a whole lot of everything tonight. Uh, but obviously the main story that we had to start off with was on Monday. Every We all saw the announcement that Julian Edelman is officially retiring from the NFL. Uh, you know, it's it's really sad to see, you know, this his time in the NFL come to an end. I mean, you know, some people were suspecting, you know, obviously he didn't initially retire, uh, you know, like the initial news didn't come out as a retirement. It came out that he was being cut from the Patriots and that his, and that he failed due to a uh, failed physical and the, the path and that the Pats were going to move on from him. Uh, and some people were suspecting, is he going to go to Tampa to team up with Brady and Gronk? Is that, is he going to go ring chase down there and do some stuff? Uh, but it came, but it ended up, but it ended up turning out that he released a video on, on, uh, on his Instagram and it was titled Foxborough forever, which is actually going to be the name of this episode tonight. At least I think so. Uh, and he, and, and he basically said that, you know, I had this terrible knee injury and it's gotten to the point where I can't play a full season on it anymore. And he said he wanted to play till the wheels came off and he just admitted that the wheels came off. So it's real tough to see, uh, John, what do you kind of, what do you think about the Edelman news? Um, I mean, it was a long time coming. He, uh, was getting old and, um, I would know trying to play through injury, <laughs> very, very, very hard to do. Yeah. And, John. Um, Unfortunately, you do have some injury history if you'd like to delve into that a little bit. Yeah, so um, right now I'm currently uh, have a uh, partially torn ACL, uh, torn meniscus, and uh, back in high school, um, I ended up uh, tearing my ACL and meniscus, uh, same leg, and then uh, freshman year of college, I ended up uh, tearing uh, my shoulder. So yeah, I've had a bit of experience <laughs> in this area, but yeah. Um, you know, it was an amazing career from Julian Edelman. Uh, yeah. Really showed, you know, Boston sports and really what, like, yeah, New England football player really is about. No, absolutely. I mean, I was kind of thinking about it and, you know, to put it in other Boston sports terms, I mean, you know, at least in the later Patriots eras, this is kind of where I'm going. I mean, you know, maybe you can make a case for Randy Moss as well, but like during the core offense of like Brady, Gronk and Edelman, I kind of thought of Brady and Gronk as almost like the home run hitters, like of the Red Sox, where it's like, where it's like, they're like Ortiz and Manny and Edelman is just Dustin Pedroia. Cause he's just, you know, he's doing all like the little things he's, you know, getting all banged up doing He's doing the he's doing the job that most receivers don't want to do on the football field. He is he's he's not always making the flashy play, but when he was called upon to do it, he came through in the clutch. Uh, his total his total career numbers, you know, this is this includes like punt returns and uh, special team stuff as well. So in total, he had forty one total touchdowns, six hundred twenty receptions, and uh, about you know sixty eight hundred uh, receiving yards. Uh, you know, it's you know it's a you know for the for the time he had in his career and, you know, went and at the time where he came up, he was originally drafted in 2009, really didn't become that much of a impact player until around 2013. So, you know, for a while, he wasn't really that kind of, that kind of go-to guy out of the NFL. He was a drafted, he, you know, originally came to the league uh, out of college as a quarterback at, from Kent state. Uh, he had to make, he made that transition because he, because he realized he wasn't going to be able to make it at the next level as a quarterback. Uh, incredible uh, story for Julian Edelman. Uh, but now everyone has been wondering it. I mean, it's been actually crazy. Like the amount of people that have kind of, you know, been speculating this, they're trying to figure out is Julian Edelman a hall of famer. And I, a lot of people are wondering about this question and I don't know, John, I'll let you take away with it first and then I'll kind of give my thoughts on it. I mean, honestly, I feel like people are saying way too soon if he's a hall of famer, it's a real, um, I think it's a real respect that everyone uh, is asking, Hey, is he a hall of famer? Is he a hall of famer? Yeah, that's a pretty big. Uh, that's really good to hear straight out the bat, mm-hmm. and um, just the fact that some of the players um, are saying and coming out and saying how like you know zero Pro Bowls, zero first team appearances. Um, yeah, postseason. If there's a postseason Hall of Fame, for sure, first ballot mm-hmm. in. Um, unfortunately, there's not, and you can't really come. You don't really. The Hall of Fame doesn't really value clutchness. 
uh, they more look at the numbers than they look at the stats. Yeah. And personally, I could be a little favoritism. <laughs> I would say he would be in, but I wouldn't say it would be first ballot. I would say it would be way, way, way down the line in an off season mm-hmm. for like um, who would uh, end up making the hall. But um, yeah. I think it's a great career. I mean, like you can't really argue like he was a seventh rounder quarterback turned wide receiver. I mean, mm-hmm. he walked out of the league with a perfect passer rating, which is <laughs> incredible. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. It, I mean, he has the same amount of playoff touchdowns as Andy Dalton. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, he's really he's really a great guy. And then, like, also just, like, yeah, just one of the dudes. He was always – he took the role of Wes Welker as soon as he left and honestly, like, re- did a little bit more with it as, like, just that little, like uh, – like Hank and Dink, and it really revolutionized like the offense of the Patriots. If you look at it, because it was the short little passes, everyone talks about Tom Brady with the dump offs, and Julian Edelman's a prime example. He would have all his receiving yards off the little dump passes, never goes deep. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's literally, I mean, he was able to kind of thrive off uh, what Wells Welker's role was here, and he kind of took it to a whole nother level. Uh, you know, it's def, I agree with you. It's definitely won't be a first ballot, won't be a second ballot, won't be a third ballot. You know, I kind of look at it and I'm not comparing the players as, you know, individuals, but I compare it, you know, in terms of what I think, uh, what, what I think a Hall of Fame bid for Julian Edelman could look like. I look at uh, Drew Pearson, uh, former Cowboys receiver that played in the 70s, 70s and 80s until uh, 2020, I believe, or 2021. He was the only receiver uh, of the of the uh, 1970s all pro, all pro team not to make the Hall of Fame. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people were, were just like, we're kind of just like, oh man, like this guy isn't getting some of the credit he deserves. He isn't doing that. I'm not saying that I'm not comparing Edelman to Drew Pearson. I'm not doing that sort of a thing, but it took, but I mean, Drew Pearson retired from the NFL in 1983 and that meant he was eligible in 1988. So to think about that, that was before Michael Jordan ever won a championship in, in the NBA. That was, you know, back when, uh, I, I mean, if you think about it, like Ronald Reagan was like president, like not like LeBron James, you know, when Pearson retired was one years old. So it's just like the amount of time that has gone by, like, like from the time that guy retired to, you know, when he eventually got inducted in the hall of fame or was actually even eligible to be inducted in the hall of fame. It took him a long time. So, I mean, I mean, hell it could be 2053 and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, a 70 or something or 60 something year old uh, Julian Edelman maybe finally gets the call. Then I think that is the most likely scenario to see for Julian Edelman. I think for him, you have to factor in the playoff stats, uh, especially since he's only like right behind Jerry Rice uh, for what is it? Playoff uh, receptions or touchdowns? Is it receiving yards, receiving yards? Correct. Yeah. So he's only behind Jerry Rice for that, which is incredible to think about. I mean, he's still kind of a ways off from him. And I think with, you know, I think unfortunately due to injuries that cost him, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe if he hadn't torn his ACL in the year, Super Bowl 52, it'd be an even closer stat, which is very scary to think about that. Uh, but it also just shows that, you know, when Tom Brady, you know, needed a guy to needed a guy to go to, he trusted Julian Edelman more than like anyone else on the team. I mean, he has insane trust in Gronk. He had insane trust in guys, you know, coming up throughout the years. But I mean, the amount of trust he instilled in Julian Edelman throughout that, you know, kind of a six year run, really, which is, you know, kind of when Edelman had that impact, because again, drafted no nine, but really didn't become that guy until 2013. So from 2013 to 2019, you know, and, you know, you can even discount a year for that. Edelman was able to put up numbers that Jerry Rice took an entire career to put up, which is insane. Yeah, I agree. And the one thing is that he also had Tom Brady in that stretch and we were making the playoffs every year. And so was Jerry Rice, of course. But um, the biggest thing I really think of is people compare him to Wes Welker and how he fit that role the same way that um, at uh, I love to bring it up, uh, Alabama, how <laughs> they had the Julio Jones spot and, Julio Jones, who the person after Julio Jones was um, Calvin Ridley, and the person after Calvin Ridley was you see all these great receivers line up Henry Ruggs, yeah. and then Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. They're all in the same offense, the same system that Nick Saban ran, yeah. and they're all great. Um, the way you look at it is is Wes Welker a Hall of Famer, and if Wes Welker's not a Hall of Famer, then is Julian Edelman really a Hall of Famer? Yeah, that's definitely the that's definitely the tough case. I mean, uh, I'd have to look. I have to re. I'd have to look again at uh, Welker's numbers. I mean, I think that Edelman just. I think you know, obviously, the playoff numbers helped him a ton 
and that would that would be what he'd have to base his case off of. I mean, he had an integral part of of the three Super Bowls that he ended up winning. It's it. I'm I'm the odds are 100 against him. Like there is like you know I if he didn't get in, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised one bit. I'm I'll say that. Like you know, do I think would I want him to get in? Yes, 100. percent I th- I think from what he did for the game of football, it'd be great to see him get into the Hall of Fame. You know. Would I be surprised if he didn't? No, but you know, I think if he is to get in, it would be that kind of a Drew Pearson kind of story where it takes a very long time after he retires for him to finally recognize for his craft. I agree because you're going to see flashes and then you're going to realize that I feel like the, how much like of an integral part he really was to the Patriots offense. So that little, how he honestly and Wes Welker kind of revolutionized that little, uh, little white guy. (laughs) The really quick wide receivers that can do the little dump off passes. So yeah. no, I mean I mean Julian Edelman was just like, you know, dude was made of iron. And and, guy, you know, yeah. He was the perfect teammate. I mean, like you saw Tom Brady and you've seen all the other players, mm-hmm. you know, in the media, how huge this has been. Yeah. People talking about how much of a role model, how much everyone loves working with him and just the uh, work ethic and everything. Like mm-hmm. um the thing with uh, him, like learning how to catch punts with his dad, and his dad going to the stop of the stadium and just throwing it, or using mm-hmm. even the jug machine, and him doing it with one eye, one eye, in order to really just like try to make the team even. So it's just crazy. Yeah, crazy I mean, he came in. Yeah, I mean, he came in with a target on his back from day one because he knew, you know, kind of one slip up, you know, a seventh round pick, you know, converted quarterback. You know, he knew he knew at any instance that Bill Belichick could have could have just said, all right, we're going to move on from you. And that could have been the end of his story. But so he always had to chug along. And it's an incredible story, story for Julian Edelman, whether he you know, whether he ends up getting rewarded in Canton, that will yet to be seen. Patriots Hall of Famer. Absolutely. No doubt. Like he'll like when, the day he becomes eligible for it, he will get that nomination. He'll be wearing that red jacket. You know, obviously Canton is a much more prestigious honor. So that will, if he was to ever get in there, it would take a very long time. So I'll just say that. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, great career for Julian Edelman, but we also have some other stuff in NFL news to talk about. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons. For Julian Edelman real quick. True. Yeah. Round of applause. Round of applause for Julian Edelman. 100%. Uh, but, you know, also in NFL news, something something we wanted to get into tonight, uh, some, you know, there's actually a couple more things, actually another story kind of including the Patriots uh, that it'll tie into this one right here. Uh, so, you know, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons ever since, you know, they blew it in the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots really, really have not really have not been the same team ever since, you know, they, they went 10 and six the year after and they lost in the playoffs to the Eagles. Uh, but in reality, they just, you know, they've just fallen like so far from their 2016 run. It's been atrocious to kind of see. I mean, Dan Quinn's out the door now. It's Kyle they, Shanahan they, was out the door there. Dan Quinn was out the door. They lost yeah. literally everyone. Yeah. The, it's, uh, Seahawks defensive coordinator. He was the uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah. For, it's, uh, Falcons. It was crazy. Yeah. It's been a complete, it's been a complete teardown. It's actually insane how, how quickly it all, how quickly it all happened. Uh, and, you know, last year in 2020, it, it really, you know, bottomed out for them. They ended up finishing four and 12 on the year, you know, just terrible record. Uh, so, you know, with that record, they earned themselves the number four pick in the draft. And a lot of people are wondering, uh, do the Falcons move on from Matt Ryan here? I mean, Matt Ryan, I think is like what, 35, 36 years old. Uh, you know, he's, he's an aging guy at this point. Uh, you know, he just, unfortunately, you know, he just doesn't kind of have, you know, a lot of time left. And I, and, you know, in reality, like it's kind of the question of like, you know, how long, you know, how long would they be able to, you know, rebuild with him and have him be on a competitive team again? I, I did check. He was 35 last year. He'll be 36 this year. So the question, you know, the question remains like, you know, should Atlanta move on from him? Cause you know, f- for however long this rebuild takes, like it's not likely that he'll be the same guy. Like when it's all, when it's all said and done. Yeah. Unfortunately it's like the Cincinnati situation where, you know, they're in a position where they can draft a, uh a play to really start to turn around the franchise. And there was nothing wrong with Andy Dalton. There was really nothing wrong with him. It's just yeah. they were missing so many other pieces. They were I mean, still they were missing, I mean, they were missing pieces, but Dalton was kind of fading at the end, but no, nah, I, I got you. No, Dalton had done a Dalton had done a lot of good for the city, but yeah, it's, it's more the, it's more the situation like that doesn't match up. Like Matt Ryan has been great to the city of Atlanta, brought them a Super Bowl, former MVP. Well, almost brought, that. almost brought them a Super Bowl. Almost brought them, brought them a, Super a Super Bowl. Brought them to a Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> um, he won MVP. Matty yeah. Ice. 
Yeah, no, he great season in uh, what was that, 2016? Yeah, 26, yeah, 2016. So it'll be five years ago. Yeah, so I mean, he had a great run, and from Boston College, you gotta love him. Oh, 100%. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think his time is uh, to go, and he'll probably end up going to like the Bears or something, or, like a vet men, that's which a, would be that's cool. A, that's or, an interesting uh, take, actually. Well, I mean, the Bears, the Bears actually have Dalton right now, and they think that they're that they think he's gonna be their guy. I know, AD. <laughs> uh, it's better yeah. when you say ad instead of andy dalton oh yeah you know i'd love to see the pats i'd love to see the pats end up getting a guy like matt ryan that would be great but at that point in the career it's like a philip rivers it's a one-year rental yeah it's a what it, it's philip rivers but at the same time you got a reloaded offense you got you got guys you got you got the new tight you got the new two tight ends you got kendrick Bourne out there i don't know it could be that could be interesting i know i'm really excited to see the pats offense this year but uh yeah. The real big story is uh, Justin Fields' second pro day. Mm, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, apparently. Cannon. And people are saying uh, he's probably going three. It's him and Mac Jones flipping three and yeah. four, three and four. <laughs> and you think if Mac Jones or Justin Fields slips the four, because right now they're saying that the order pretty much is going all QBs. Mm-hmm. It's going um, – Number one, Trevor Lawrence, of course. Yeah, no. Best prospect since Andrew Luck coming out. Quarterback prospect. Yeah. Um, Number two is probably Zach Wilson. Yeah. Well, it actually is 100%, like they confirmed. Okay, yeah. There was a, there was a trade. The Eagles were going to try to trade up to – or um, Atlanta. Is, no, San Francisco was going to try to trade up to uh, – I believe it was like two, and the Jets were like – for uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets said no because everyone's now like saying that the Jets are pretty much locked to get Zach Wilson. Really? Yes. Dang. And um, for three, pretty much everyone's saying, well, San Fran will probably get a quarterback. So interesting. It's either going to be that or, uh, well, Jamar Chase. I mean, Atlanta could just load up on wide receivers. And yeah, they, yeah, they they could just say screw it and just and just say, hey, we're gonna win this thing on offense. It's like the Dallas Cowboys just have the pretty... best explosive offense and put up fifty points a game and still lose. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that would pretty much be them. Uh, but you know, I I was looking at something. You know, they have the number four pick in the draft. You know, right. it's it's gonna put them in a very good spot, I think. And you know. Justin Fields or, you know, or even a Mac Jones could be, you know, could fall into their lap. Uh, you know, it's possible even like they, maybe they even go after a guy like Trey Lance and they try to, they try to go down that road. Uh, you know, it's a very interesting. Do you think if they get Trey Lance, do you think they uh, hold on to Matt Ryan? If they were to get Trey Lance, Trey I think. Trey Lance is only 20. Yeah. And he's, and he, I think, I think he's more of a project guy. So I think if you get Trey Lance, you're probably going to work. You're probably going to end up working with him for a couple of years, get him, get him right. And then. Yeah. People are saying that. Um the best to go is probably Trevor Lawrence, you know, and like Mac Jones, like day one because of the fundamentals and everything, but like five years down the line, it's going to be Trey Lance. Yeah. He's legit. You know, a lot of people wonder, you know, like he hasn't played a lot in the past couple of years. So they, so they do wonder, you know, what he, you know, is going to really be able to bring to the table, but he's a very promising prospect. Uh, You know, uh, but I was seeing uh, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports predicted that the Pats could, you know, try to trade up uh, to the number four pick and select a QB. I also saw a prediction that they might uh, trade up to 10 with the Cowboys and they had fields falling to them there. Uh, do you think that there's still, do you think the Pats are actually going to try to, you know, go for a quarterback in this draft or do you think Belichick's probably going to go defense? I honestly think Belichick's probably going to go defense, but it yeah. would not surprise me if he draft, if he draft, goes up to get a quarterback which quarterback would be the interesting question because a lot of people say well you know trey lance like um well not trey lance but justin fields he's literally a cam newton coming out of college yeah they work together like they're they're the exact same physique Mm -hmm. um exact same terrible throwing motion (laughs) yeah um this whole unnatural like sidearm oh yeah type thing that fields does but um Mm -hmm both freaks they're both like six four six five yeah it's crazy and um no honestly it wouldn't really surprise me but um i mean i also think uh the linebacker what's his name micah parsons micah parsons would also be very 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 good i think that would be a great move for us and i think he compares directly to like an isaiah simmons 
Yeah. And frankly, I think it wouldn't be a bad, I, I don't think it'd be a bad idea if Bill went, you know, uh, defense in the draft anyways, that's his sweet spot. I mean, if you want to look at, you know, Bill Belichick drafting offense, I mean, look at Nikhil Harry and how that's turned out. You look at Aaron Dobson back in like 2013, uh, just like receivers in general. And just, I mean, even you can even look to last year's draft with like Devin Asiasi, who I, who could actually be an interesting third receiver. Maybe we talked about it on, uh, on the last time you were on the show about him maybe becoming like a big kind of wide out, you know, and have it be in that type of a role for the Pats. But Dalton Keene didn't do any, anything for us last year. Matt Lacoste is kind of a lost cause at this point. And you can even kind of make the same case about a guy like Ryan Izzo. So, you know, when it comes to drafting offense outside of Ryan the O-line. Not on the Patriots anymore. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, no. Houston. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, no, I was about to say, like, outside of the O-line, Bill can actually draft a decent O-line. Like, that's actually – in terms of offense, he's fine there. And, you know, running backs, he's had he's his kind of, he's had his, he's James had his moments. Harris, James White. Yeah. Running backs, he can, running backs, he can sometimes, you know, actually make a move there. Uh, when it comes to, you know, wide receiver though, and going for those kind of skill positions, you know, it's very tough for Bill. And I, you know, frankly, if, and, you know, I obviously we haven't seen him draft a quarterback higher than Jimmy Garoppolo. So seeing him, so just I think the idea of him, you know, drafting the first round boggles a lot of minds. So I think, you know, kind of, so in my opinion, uh, I wouldn't mind if he kind of just went defense here. Cause I think, you know, keep do what he's comfortable with. You know, you know, if he drafts defense, he doesn't have to worry about, he doesn't really need to worry about, you know, the quarterback he picks, you know, being the guy, if you end up going for a guy like Kellen Mond on like in day two, you know, out of a uh, and you go for a guy like that and, and just say like, Oh, this is going to be a project guy that we work, that we try to work up and, you know, do something with him. You know, you buy yourself a little more time. And yeah. Maybe, yeah, and even maybe like, you kind of go after like something in the next year's like, draft. Yeah, even like waiting on like a Trey Lance type deal if he ends up falling. I see if he ends up falling out of, you know, that sweet spot with the um, the people who would really, really like want to draft like a uh, QB. I yeah. Can see Bill trading up almost immediately to draft a Trey Lance, have him compete with Stidham, even if Stidham's still in the picture for a quarterback run. And have him compete and just have Cam, you know, really just be the standout and have Sidham really get pushed by like a, a like a Kellen Moore even or Sidham or Kyle Trask even. Oh, Trask could be good. And then, yeah, Kellen Mond is also has that option, too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of po- there's a lot of possibilities that the Pats could go. I could very well see them going going with a day two guy and, you know. I, again, I think that just Bill. I think that just buys Bill more time. It just would give him the opportunity to say, like, to say, like, hey, he doesn't need to start this season. We can actually, like, you know, you'll you'll get a couple hints of him in of him in like the preseason camps and stuff like that. But there's no pressure to get him in any into any games, like at at like you know all of a sudden, like Bill can work him in when he wants to work him in, and it's not going to be a matter of like you know probably how bad Cam plays. That would determine that. Agreed. I'm really excited to see Cam Newton though year two with the Pat. I'm, I'm hopeful again, you know, my big thing with him is, you know, I, I saw what he brought last year and if that's healthy Cam Newton, then I don't want to see it. My, my hope is that, you know, Cam Newton's shoulder just wasn't right last year and that he still was dealing with some stuff. And that is, that was kind of the root cause of some of his problems. If that's the case, then I'll give him that second year. But if this is the cam we're going to see, man, then I'm not for it. Uh, But that kind of, you know, but that is kind of a lot of what we have in Pat's news uh, in, also in NFL news, uh, one just kind of trying to move things along here. Uh, Jadavian Clowney just signed with the Cleveland Browns on a one-year deal. Ten million, I saw. Yeah. And, uh, did you hear the statement he made about? Not- uh, he made a statement saying it's going to be good that I don't have to get double teamed every time. I can have someone <laughs> like uh, Miles Garrett, you know. Yeah. Other side, a little subtle shot at JJ Watt there. Oh wow. Texans. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, you got, uh, but yeah, you're gonna have Miles Garrett. You have Sheldon Richardson on the line as as well. You have, you have a pretty good D line there if you're the Cleveland Browns. That's gonna you know do them very well. I mean, you know, a lot of people. Also, do Also, happy that. birthday to Baker Mayfield now, real quick. Oh shoot, yeah. You be one. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, happy birthday to Baker Mayfield. Uh, but you know, also kind of you know going off that, uh, you know, a lot of people think that Clowney at this point kind of maybe is just like you know past his prime, overrated at this point. Do you think that he has something left? Ever since I saw that hit he made in South Carolina, where he legitimately hits this guy so hard, it's the, it's the if you haven't seen it ever. Oh, I mean, it's the please, it's it's um, one of the most famous hits now in college like history, or at least modern it's college. One history. of the most famous hits. I think he still has it. I think unfortunately he's just gone through a really weird time. He wanted a release from the Texans because he gambled on himself. Um, 
I believe he went to Seattle. And then yeah, from went Seattle, to Seattle and then went to Tennessee. Stint, and then he went to Tennessee. Was pretty successful both places. You know, nothing flashy, but like middle of the road. Still yeah. got numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, still, like, still know, did good enough to earn 10 mil. Still did good enough to earn 10 mil. Easily. And I mean, yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting case. I feel like with the right coaching, he'll be fine. And in Cleveland, they clearly know what they're doing now. I mean, they made the right they made the right choice finally on a uh, coaching. Yeah, Stefanski finally looks finally seems Stefanski like a coach who has a clue. Stefanski's a legit guy. Yeah, he was, um, the old uh, Vikings, Vikings offensive coordinator, and yeah. I mean that offense is electric. Yeah, I mean, he finally looks like he has a clue. Like, it's like the first Browns coach who, you know, doesn't actually, like, piss you off. Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson, man, was just, like, he just didn't know know what the hell was going on. It really makes you think about the players, you know, like, such as, like, a Sam Darnold, like, under bad coaching. Because, like, you know, you think of Baker Mayfield and, like, even, like, you can bring it back to, like, uh, Deshaun Kaiser and, like, um, Johnny Football, if you really want to go that far back on, like, um, you know, just, like, some – Cleveland quarterbacks who like really just struggled do you think it was more coaching do you think it could be more like the quarterbacks like could it be a little bit of both or it kind of just Cleveland kind of happened had some little LeBron you know so uh, I don't think Deshaun uh, Kaiser was going to ever be that kind of a guy frankly I don't think that you know I think that's I think what we saw at a Deshaun Kaiser I mean frankly he didn't have a ton of help but I don't think that Deshaun Kaiser was going to, you know, have much like any more success than what he had in Cleveland uh, with fo- Johnny football. You know, there were a lot more problems than just the talent on the field when it came to Johnny football. So I think just that in general made it very impossible for him to play for him to play. I was always, I, it always shocked me though, that he only made it two seasons in the league, despite how bad he played. They didn't even like let him finish his contract. They just outright basically just released the dude, which still yeah, they paid, off, just, they paid off the guaranteed money. Yeah. I was like, no. absurd. Yeah, I was like, that's crazy. And he got the Nike endorsement and everything. I mean, like, it was crazy. It was just sad the way to see, you know, see him go. I mean, he was very cocky and he was very arrogant. But um, in the air, he couldn't do anything. But, like, on the ground, you would still see, like, 90 yards rushing, 100 yards rushing as a quarterback. But, But, you know, football's a team sport. Yeah, he's. I mean, he definitely possessed that, like, ability. But – you know, just the way it, it just could not translate to the NFL. It just did not have that. And I think that Baker Mayfield, if he had suffered from that bad coaching, I think he'd be in a similar spot. I think that Baker does obviously have more talent than those guys. Uh, but, you know, I think that, you know, if he had, if Baker had gone to the Jets, I don't think he'd be nearly as successful as, as he is. I mean, maybe he had, maybe he earned, he'd earned like a third of the state farm commercials he's had throughout his career. But, uh, you know, I don't think that, I think that, you know, the coaching definitely helped him, definitely helped him out. I agree. I agree. Uh, but you know, also in finally in NFL news, uh, Aaron Rodgers is continuing his, you know, run as guest host of, uh, you know, the popular game show Jeopardy. Uh, he's, he's currently like doing like a two week run as like the guest host. I guess they've had other guys like Dr. Oz and maybe other like celebrities on to kind of, to, you know, kind of just fill the voids, uh, you know, for Alex Trebek, uh, RIP to Alex Trebek. Uh, but you know, they've just been trying to fill the void. Uh, I don't know if you saw like some of the some of the highlights from his from his time on the show so far, uh, but you know recently there was a uh, there was like a question there was like a sports question and it said uh, and it said this NFL team won five championships during the '60s and, and no one could get it. and he just and he just goes the Green Bay Packers <laughs> and like and everyone was just like ah oh, yeah and then the f- next question uh, was literally just like was literally just said oh this team won championships from like 1959 to like the late to like the mid sixties. And it just, and someone just goes to Boston Celtics and Aaron Rodgers goes, just goes, Oh, you got that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, He's having a ton of fun with it. Yeah. He's having a good time. And I mean, it's a good little thing for him. Um, shout out to Aaron Rodgers, you know, real quick, little round of applause. Yeah. I mean, yeah. MVP of the league. He's having MVP he's having of the t- league just got engaged. Oh yeah. True. 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 Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, you know, things are going good from this offseason. I mean, I know that, you know, there's still reports that, you know, Green Bay may not want him as their guy, which is insane after the year he had last year. I mean, I don't know what else he has to prove for you guys. Just get that man some weapons and he could actually, you know, take you guys to you guys should get, take you guys to another championship. I don't know what you guys are waiting for. I mean, he's only getting older. So try, maybe try to win with him now. I mean, I know you guys like Jordan Love, but, you know, 
you you literally have one of the greater greatest quarterbacks ever. So like I don't know, I would go for it if I were you. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean it's frustrating to see with him, uh, but you know it's uh, you know I, I we had mentioned I had mentioned it previously on the show. Apparently Rogers wouldn't mind doing the show full time. Uh, the way he explained it is that you know the show is filmed over forty five days. You do five shows a day just like you know it's like five hours of like whatever and like maybe even a little extra if you kind of count like the makeup and like getting ready for the day uh but he basically said hey i'd be game to do it and you know he would be able to film it during his off season and you know would you want to see aaron Rodgers like as as like the host of jeopardy like you know as an active nfl quarterback what would you think if you saw that be very very interesting but it also shows off a very uh many things you do and the uh downtime unfortunately he has uh in doing that but you know if you're happy and you're passionate about what you're doing, you can't knock it whatsoever. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I would go for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that will cover what we have uh, going on NFL wise. Uh, you know, something we, that we don't typically talk about on the show enough. If Tyler was here, he'd be he'd be having a field day. Uh, it's P, it's PGA. You know, if again if Tyler was here right now, he'd be going off because the man is a golf nut. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the Masters. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, first Japanese-born uh, golfer ever to win to win uh, the title to you know to don the green jacket. Uh, so congratulations to him for that. You know, big big props up to Hideki. Yeah, yeah. doing a lot of clapping on tonight's episode. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, doing a lot of applause on tonight's episode. But uh, you know, first Japanese-born player ever to win the Masters. Uh, finished ten under par on uh, on the day. Had himself really? a day. I mean, he was just. I mean, like literally, like from the first day of of uh, like that he set out he was in the lead i don't remember like i don't remember you know checking the masters uh kind of just like rankings like the second the event started he was at the top and like he just he just never relinquished it it came kind of it came you know plug in the name a little bit here down to the wire at the end uh but you know it came down to him and happy gilmore's caddy uh will zalatoris uh zalatoris finished nine under so uh you know just you know just you know just was just shy of doing it uh matsuyama was able to finish him off it was a it was a really good uh it, it was really cool to see i mean you know it seemed very soon after the last masters because i know the 2021 uh masters due to covid were held in november which was crazy uh but you know it was also cool to see you know there was like a full there was like a pretty full crowd going on there you know georgia seemed to be you know pretty hyped about having these guys down there i agree uh you know it it's, it's always nice and it's always nice down there Oh, it's amazing yeah. weather. I mean, especially right now. I mean, I know, I guess like Western Mass right now, uh, or at least, you know, some parts of New England right now are probably going to get snow tomorrow. And I'm like, Jesus, that's awful. But like, George is not like down South. They're not worried about any of that right now. It's amazing weather down there. Yeah, no. And honestly, uh, big props to him. The first to ever do it, a Japanese player, you know, oh, yeah. of course, thanking the course. It was really a, quite a spectacle to see. Oh, and yeah. regardless, if you were uh, rooting for him or Happy Gilmore's caddy, <laughs> the personalized uh uh putter which i yeah. mean and even got the shadow from uh adam santler yeah i saw that you know and he, mean, he immediately had fun with that i mean honestly, the resemb- really just yeah. to feel good feel good yeah. jay oh yeah the resemblance is uncanny it is it's really funny it's actually kind of scary <laughs> yeah i mean like honestly like you could there was really no one there was just a great match like final match you couldn't really there was no bad side to that. There was no bad like person where you're like, ah, I don't really want him to win, but no, like, yeah, you, you were just kind of well, endings. Yeah. Literally yeah. going along yeah. with happy Gilmore. Yeah, dude. I'm literally just happy that they were able, that they were able to play it like at regular time this year. That's all I could have hoped for. Uh, but, you know, kind of looking forward to 2022. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, you know, you know, for golf in 2022, what is Tiger Woods going to be able to do? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he, he, he was in that tragic uh, car accident, you know, earlier this year. Uh, we it actually just came out, uh, you know, like uh, about like last week or so that apparently he was like doing double the speed limit. He was like doing like 80 and a 40 uh, and, you know, kind of just ended up crashing his car. Uh, he had like he had some leg injuries, had some stuff like that. You know, a lot of people are wondering, you know, could he return in 2022 to go on and win his six masters? I guess right now uh, one sports uh, one sports book uh, better. I guess his name's William Hill. He has Tiger at like 40 to one odds to win it in 2022 if he was to return. I guess there's like some sports book thing going on like right now, but if you want to bet on tiger, like right now you can. And if he isn't ready to go, you could actually get like a refund, which could be kind of interesting. Uh, but you know, I it's, it's pretty interesting to see, you know, some other probable names include, uh, I guess the favorite right now is Dustin is Dustin Johnson. When he's at 10 to one, uh, Jordan Smith, Jordan Spieth is 11 to one. Uh, 
uh, Justin Thomas is 12 to one. Uh, Bryson D, uh, DeChambeau is at 14 to one. McElroy at 16 to one and Brooks Kepka at 18 to one. Uh, and then Tigers all the way down there at 40 to one. So uh, he's, he definitely would have to, you know, you know, show that he could get back to form and very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Uh, really just get back on the course and really yeah. just get out of the hospital and start rehabbing. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. scary car accidents, scary, oh, yeah. scary, scary day. And um, all the sports. Yeah. It was, uh, it was I mean, crazy. No, I mean, you know, you know, Tiger, man, he's had so many, you know, just rough injuries, man. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, he's probably going to go down as one of the best golfers and best, best athletes, you know, of our generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's incredible. So if he, if he'd ever be able to return, you know, it'd be an incredible story. Even if he can just participate at this point, you know, you think of the back injuries he's had, just all the injuries that he's accumulated throughout the years. And from a golfer, like it's insane. Like, you know, most football players don't, don't accumulate this many type of injuries. And the fact that he's still able to kind of go on and do what he, and do what he does just shows why he just shows why he was so great in the first place. Agreed. Yeah. It really just shows like, you know, golf is a sport, everyone. Yeah. If yeah. You really don't think otherwise. I mean, yeah. it took a physical toll on tiger, like, like nothing, like nothing like people have seen before. Toll and it takes real skill and real, real grit, honestly, to go out there and do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully tiger can get back to, you know, full strength. It's going to take, it's going to take a lot of rehabbing a lot of time before he can, you know, I think, you know, touch a golf course again, I'd love to see him in 2022, but frankly, if he ever just gets back out there ever again, that's all. I'm, that's all I'm just trying to see at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that kind of covers what we had going on in golf news in NBA news. Uh, the Celtics seem to, you know, you know, maybe kind of be looking a little better lately, uh, you know, or, or at least one player on the, one player on their team does so far. That's Jason Tatum, man. Uh, 53 points against the Minnesota Timberwolves last night. I think he dropped 32. Uh, you know, he's starting to kind of put it together a little more. He's still averaging like 25 a game or something, but uh, you know, you know, he was kind of just like kind of just chugging along throughout the season. It looks like Jalen Brown had really kind of just, you know, been kind of the lifeblood of that team. Uh, but, you know, uh, but Kendrick Perkins, former Celtics center, you know, I guess, you know, had a meeting with Jason Tatum. He called him out and and just and I guess like uh, I was listening to it and I was listening to uh, Perkins talk about it. And he, he, and he said, he, he said, I wasn't trying to attack his character. wasn't trying to like attack him like as a person or anything like that. Uh, but, but he just tried, but he just was telling him like, I guess he told him, listen, dude, you can get 25 in your sleep. Like you can take your game to the next level. And he just wanted to get in his head. And, and it was kind of the kick in the ass that I think Jason Tatum needed that, you know, he finally went out there and, and realized like, oh, I actually am able to, I actually am capable of doing this. And, you know, he's actually been on a tear lately. So, uh, you know, props to Kendrick Perkins for finally getting into Jason Tatum's head. Uh, something that we all wish Brad Stevens could have done a while back at this point. It's, you know, it seems, I mean, you know, frankly, that could have been what uh, like cost still only 19, but yeah, he's treating him like he's still 19. Exactly. Uh, I mean, frankly, that could be what, en- that could be what ends up costing uh, Stevens's job. If, uh, if things start to get, go south again. Now, I wonder, you know, do, do you think that this, uh, do you think that this actually might uh, be like the, might be the sign that uh, Tatum needed to, you know, finally get going and, you know, could be, you know, the jumping, the, like the jumping off point for, you know, the, for the ascension of his, of his career, or do you think this is just going to be like a temporary kind of boost that he gets and eventually he reverts back to his old ways? Cause I mean, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it yeah. is like it keeps going, but I mean, there's too many rep. Um, a lot of people uh, compare his game to Kobe Bryant, which is very true. It was his idol, and it was like the person he always looked up to. And yeah. honestly, his game has a lot of comparisons. But um, you ever just sit down and watch the Celtics? He throws up a lot of random shots. Yeah, throw, definitely. Throw up a lot of contested threes, a lot of you know interesting shots. And I mean. I really hope it keeps going, but like, you know, he's not James Harden. He can't just, you know, just throw up a three or a Steph Curry or even a Kevin Durant, you know, just throw up a contested three and make it like 60% of the time, it seems like. But yeah, I really hope he does. At least, um, at least Jason Tatum can't do that at this point in his career. But I mean, I mean, I th- and, I really, and again, really he oh, gets yeah. caught. And uh, yeah, the media completely paints the Celtics. Um, as awful i think they're like i could be completely wrong but they're like um i think we're a five seed now yeah they're we're a five seed we're like plus like seven in the past like couple games yeah one loss (laughs) and the media is 
you know, unfortunately seems to paint it as like until Tatum started going off as like the complete opposite. Well, I mean, things were going south of the Celtics. We were, we were, uh, we were below 500. And frankly, I think that a lot of that criticism was, was warranted. And frankly, and I think that it might be the jumpstart that the Celtics need to finally get things going here. So, you know, for them kind of criticizing the Celtics, I don't mind that one bit. Uh, I, I gotta be cautious at this point with Jason Tatum, because here's why, I mean, you know, we've seen Jason Tatum kind of get these boosts, you know, throughout his career so far. I mean, you saw him dunk on dunk on LeBron in the playoffs and, you know, he kind of got a big, he kind of got a big ego out of that and, you know, was able to carry that over, you know, a little bit in the next season. Uh, but it ended up turning him into this guy that was kind of, you know, just, you know, beside, besides himself in certain scenarios, he's been able to, t- to kind of turn it on and become like, and, you know, become a better teammate and just, and realize, you know, his true capability. I'm going to have to see a little more consistency out of it before I can officially say that, Hey, Jason Tatum has officially like, uh, you know, is officially like, you know, matured and done all that stuff. And I mean, telling a 23 year old that he's got to mature is, you know, definitely a lot uh, is not an easy, is not an easy task by any measure. I mean, I'm only 20, so I can only imagine that, yeah. uh, but so I'm not going to like say that I'm not going to say Jason Tatum like is like, I mean, he's not like this like super old guy that, that like is just like having these issues. Like he's still a kid and like, you know, obviously, you know, maturity wise, he's still going to have a, he's still going to have a long time before, you know, he, he's still going to have a lot of time to grow. Exactly. And that's the big thing is that he still has a lot of time to mature, grow, really even learn the game. And I mean, hopefully Brad Stevens is there. Hopefully, I mean, could not be, you know, due to the latest struggles. I mean, I feel like it's really either him or Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is the heart of the Celtics, but I mean, some of the things he does is so reckless that, you know, we really need to, we keep saying this year after year after year, but like Tristan Thompson, man, was not the answer to that big No. not even close i knew it wasn't the second we brought him in i'm just like you know i i'm actually gonna I'll, I'll mention this afterwards but you know we haven't had a legitimate center since kendrick perkins you know i mean obviously we had, we had Shaq at the end but like you know in terms of a legit center like we've been playing we've basically been playing small ball since like the early 2010s like we haven't for about a decade we haven't had a legit a legit uh big man i agree and i mean it worked for the rockets kind of not really yeah. but i mean it got them to a western con- actually well no they they had capella and they had guys like that for for some time and it, and it did them oh it did them well for a little bit uh but the celtics man like we haven't had a center since kendrick perkins and i think that we or like at least a legit center we had al horford and we now bring in tristan thompson who's only six foot nine uh where in comparison you have guys that are like seven seven one seven three and i mean so i'm like it's not like uh it's not like tristan thompson is like a short guy but compared to these other guys he is so like you know you find you really do, hard out there competing with should be mvp joel Embiid. yeah he'll he'll get it this year there's no doubt in my mind at this point he'll get it uh but you know i uh, so the uh, sixers are uh second in um defensive rating this year fun fact yeah. Yeah, they're they're insane That's this year. That's their uh, second in uh, offensive rating as well. So mm-hmm. could be yeah. a little Eastern Conference showdown there. That could be a very interesting Eastern Conference Finals matchup if if it came to it. Uh, but you know, I you know again with Tatum, you know uh, uh, what I was going to mention about what about Perkins is you know if if he seems to be the guy that could get through to Tatum, bring him on to the staff, man. I mean, like you know, like bring him up, bring him on as an assistant coach. I mean, if you know one interview with him is enough to is enough for Tatum to kind of go into this type of a streak bring him on to the staff, man. I'd like to see what I'd like to see Perkins be able to work with Tatum on like a day-to-day basis, basis. If that's what, if that's what he can do for him. Hey, I mean, if he's any better as um, a coach than he is a reporter, love to see it. Absolutely. So like, I mean, obviously like we, we think his coaching experience, we've never really had a true, a true uh, kind of experiment with, but you know, if he could do something with, with Tatum and really kind of, you know, you know, mature him into the player, he, he could become, I'd love to see it, man. I agree. I agree yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, also in NBA news, uh, you know, Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic are kind of complaining a little bit right now. Uh, you know, so, you know, uh, because of COVID and just some different rules that M- the, the NBA is always trying out, they're always trying to, you know, figure out like new ways to make the game interesting and do stuff like that. But they do it in a way that, you know, usually doesn't like kind of, you know, ultimately change the game. I mean, obviously, like if you think of a three point line and different stuff like that. But in terms of like actual on the court stuff, like they don't do as much as you'd expect that would, you know, change the fabric of the game that would, you know, really alter some things. Uh, but, but they are trying to do some stuff right now in the playoffs where, uh, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're losing 10 games this year. Like they're not having 
like they're having only 72 games. So what, what they're doing at least for this year is, you know, the top six seeds in each, in each conference are making the, and are making the playoffs like automatically, but the final seven and eight seeds are going to have a play in tournament with like the, with like the other bottom teams to basically like assure them that those last couple, uh, those last couple spots. So it's an interesting concept. And, you know, a lot of people kind of do wonder like, like, Hey, is this kind of fair? Is this kind of fair per se? Uh, but, and, uh, you know, apparently according to Cuban and Doncic, they don't seem to think so. Like they kind of came out very against this Doncic Doncic was against it. And Cuban even kind of said that, uh, he was like, he came out, you know, uh, pretty against it as well. Uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, you know, like, you know, last, you know, at, even as of last year, their playoff spots would have been secured. Like they would have, you know, you get, you get that seven seed, you get that eight seed, you go to the playoffs and that's, and then, then that's it for you. Like that's all secure. So I can see where they're mad, but at the same time, you know, you know, we, we mentioned Kendrick Perkins a ton of times on this show already, but he went on ESPN and he, and he, and he just said, he just said, he just said, Lucas should quit complaining. If they want to, if they don't want to have to deal with the playing tournament, win more. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, he has a point there, but also it's very interesting to start applying this rule, you know, as like, even with COVID and everything, you're really just changing the game due to, I mean, honestly, like a, um, a world pandemic which is understandable but you know yeah. i don't know if that really uh clarify or like you know has to result in a change uh, the way the game has been for a while so very yeah. um controversial because i can see it going both ways yeah no i can too but at the same time i think it make i think it makes some sense i mean at least for this year you it would give you the opportunity to you know see a little more competitive basketball down the stretch I think it also eliminates for a lot of these teams, some of the load management that you see out of guys. And, you know, load management is something that just, you know, annoys so many people. It's, it's just like, it's like, it, I mean, if you're showing up to a Celtics game and, you know, Kemba Walker or like Jason Tatum, they're completely healthy. Like they're fine. But for some reason that night, they just don't want to play. Like it's, it, it sucks. Cause like, cause like you paid like top dollar for that. Like, it's not like, it's not like you knew they were going to be out. Like, like you paid top dollar to go to this game and they're not just, and they don't want to play that night. So yeah. Uh, you know, so I think it definitely, you know, gives them an, gives that an opportunity. And I'd say the same thing about this right now. Like if the Celtics didn't improve right now and they were still a seven and eight seed, I mean, and I mean, and they ended up losing in, they ended up losing in the playoffs. I mean, hell they deserved it because of how poorly they, they had played, you know, like I, like, you know, I, maybe I'd be mad because of it, but at the same time, like they should have played better. Like, I mean, the Mavericks have a good, have a good team and they, you know, you know, I think that, you know, they have an opportunity to, you know, get into that six seed territory. I mean, even though they're in the West, which is ultra competitive, they have that chance. Yeah, I agree. And then you see people like, um, well, the Nets and I do in the load management, Kevin Durant's not yeah. playing. Harden's out with a hamstring injury. Um, Kyrie's out or Blake Griffin's out and uh, Aldridge is out just leaving Jeez. Kyrie. And he... Kyrie's, Kyrie's got to do it all himself. If he even plays, honestly, I mean, kind of the head case, but yeah. Steve Nash, you know, little round of applause to him. Yeah, no really. He'll re he's really dealing with all the egos. I mean, he yeah. really deserves the coach of the year, which he honestly might get with the yeah. Nets. But. Yeah, it's tough because a coach of the year, they usually just give it to like a sucky kind of like team that just barely makes the playoffs or like a coach that like just barely cracks, you know, barely cracks. Yeah, unfortunately, in. like with the Raptors situation, he got fired. Yeah, he got fired the next year. So like uh, the championship. Yeah. So usually like the way that the way that coach of the year goes is for a team that like, you know, barely kind of scrapes by uh, with Wayne Casey. They actually did very well and they and they managed to make it to the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, I could very well see that. Um, uh, what, what was I going to say? I was going to I don't know. I could see very well that, you know, Steve Nash doesn't get the award just because just because they're going to say he's a product of the team. But just being able to contain all that toxicity, I mean, you have some of the most toxic guys in the league on your team. And the fact that they have not blown up and, you know, fought with each other yet is incredible. Yeah. In 2010, I mean, we would have seen a David Stern type thing where he, canceled, oh, yes. but oh yeah, he would have canceled. He would have canceled the trade. He would have made, he would have said this wasn't, he would have said this was a competitive disadvantage. Not, 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 not himself as NBA. This is happening. This, this is happening. And it's insane to see. Agreed. Yeah, it's really cool to see him play too, and then like even lose to like the Lakers without LeBron or AD. Yeah, I mean Kyle Kuzma is just leading the charge. <laughs> hey man, don't sleep on Kuz. <laughs> oh man, I mean it has been it's been a crazy NBA season. Again, congratulations to the Nets on the championship. It was an incredible run. Uh, but you know, 
you know, congrats against congrats again to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, you know, 2021 champs already, you know, already raising the trophy. Pretty much. Pretty much. Brooklyn yeah. finally paid off from all the trading, all the uh, picks to the Celtics. Yep. They traded. I mean, they just, they tanked and, you know, somehow they somehow they have a better shot of winning a championship before Boston. So, uh, you know, I don't know how to, I still don't know how to feel about that, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in five years down still the line, when all this, still processing. Yep. Maybe in five years down the road, when, when all those players are gone, Boston may have something on, maybe, maybe we'll finally have something then, but, uh, you know, it's definitely a, definitely a very interesting situation as a Celtics fan. That's all I can say, man. Agreed. Uh, and finally, before we do go uh, down to the wire, uh, I did want to talk about the UFC real quick. Uh, you know, it was announced that Poirier McGregor three is happening. You know, John, you were at my house when we uh, watched McGregor Poirier McGregor two. You know, just you know, just back in January. So it's crazy that these guys are already fighting again. It's and it's going to be their next direct fight. That you don't typically see that you know that often. You they'd usually maybe you know fight fight some more guys at least maybe like two or three fights before like they end up going at it again. But you know, seven months, six or seven months later, they're back at it. Uh, you know. How do you think it's going to be? Because I, I have my thoughts on it. I think McGregor's going to come back and win it. Really? I really do think. I think McGregor's coming in here thinking he got something to prove. And Poirier is now, you know, an established fighter after finally really beating his, like, mentor almost coming into the league. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, I mean, hey, I think, I think Poirier is going to put up a good fight. I don't think – I think it'll come down to decision – Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll both last long but um i mean mcgregor's had a great run and i don't know how much longer mcgregor can keep going i mean he's getting yeah. older yeah i think mcgregor right now is really just trying to you know find the big money names the big money fights really just oh, yeah collect that money as fast as he can for as long as he can before he really has to well the wheels have fallen off yeah a lot a lot julian edelman uh, you know, and the reason the, and part of the reason I did want to bring it up is because they're saying they're going to have a full crowd in Las Vegas, which for that fight is going to be electric. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be watching that fight on July 10th. That is going to be amazing. Oh, for sure. That is a must see. And hopefully, you know, maybe uh, we can both see it again as we did before. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, but, you know, uh, here's also the thing. This, uh, this Saturday, I believe, or Sunday is the uh, Jake Paul fight. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a I'm gonna do a little more of a big segment on with that on Friday. But while I have you here, and you know, I'll give my thoughts on McGregor in a second. But but what do you think about the Jake Paul uh, Ben Askren fight? Um, I think uh, I think it would be very 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 funny if uh, Jake Paul won. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be hilarious. I think it would be hilarious. I think he would get a lot of respect. But I also respect Jake Paul for the fact that he's doing it and he's trying. I mean, yeah. he put it out there and he said, he said, if I really wanted to make money, I would keep doing YouTube and I would keep oh, yeah. music. And he's like, he's like, it's not the best, but hey, I make a crap ton of money. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I he did and he made it. Yeah, yeah. And, no, I mean, he has it all guaranteed. Like, there's nothing like that he really needs to worry about like that. Like you know, a lot of that stuff for him is guaranteed. Uh, when it comes to, when it comes to Jake Paul, man, I, again, I'll probably get into it a little bit more on Friday. I'll, I'll, I'll give some of my thoughts with it. Uh, but I do appreciate yours. Uh, but you know, going back to McGregor, I, so I'll kind of cover that stuff on Friday, but going back to McGregor Poirier. Yeah, no, I, I hope that McGregor can, you know, put up a good fight. It just looks like ever since, ever since, you know, unfortunately the Mayweather boxing match, he just has never been really the same guy. You know, he put up a good fight against Cowboy. He won. Uh, yeah, he won. He won against Cowboy. Knockout. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, like he still has like, he's still, you know, been able to show flashes and he's been able to kind of be that guy on, on certain occasions, but Cowboy was old anyways. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough fight, man. I, I'm, I never want to root against Notorious. I never do. I I'm always hoping, man, but this is it for me right here with McGregor. If, if he can't do it here, it's over. I mean, and it, and after, after McGregor too, it looked over to me there. I'm hoping that, you know, he can finally get the fire going again. He, you know, will be able to outlast some of those shin kicks that Poirier threw him in the first fight. Uh, but, you know, it was absolutely brutal. So I'm hoping that he can sustain some of that, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous for Conor McGregor, but I am hoping that he can come out and be the guy that he once was. It would be a great story if he ends oh, up yeah. and then walking away, but you know, Khabib's out of the league. So yeah, no, he's so, the best ever. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Khabib was the best ever. We're not even we're not even even debating that. Uh, but it's just for crazy if if Khabib ended up coming out of retirement to fight Poirier after beating McGregor twice. But shout out to Poirier, he's doing a really good thing, and you know, oh, yeah. doing it. He's very classy. That's the most part I like about Poirier. He'll talk a little crap, but he's also very very classy. Yeah, no, he's a very classy dude. I mean, he's he's done stuff for McGregor. McGregor's, McGregor has done stuff for like his charity. Like they go back and forth with each other, and they they're actually very cordial friends, which is actually interesting to see. Uh, but, you know, I think it is officially time to say we, that we are down to the wire. So we're going to go over everything we talked about in this episode. We'll let you guys uh, and we'll send you guys off. Uh, obviously, we started off, you know, talking about Julian Edelman, uh, you know, re- officially retiring from the NFL, 34 years of age. You know, congrats to Edelman on an incredible career, man. Uh, you know, you know, one other thing that, you know, I was thinking of is, you know, I was seeing guys, you know, trying to do comparisons. I did that comparison to Drew Pearson. I saw another comparison uh, that was done, you know, comparing Edelman to a guy like Lynn Swan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, And, you know, uh, you know, the comparison I was hearing was that, you know, Edelman has, you know, Swan has more touchdowns, but he has, but Edelman has more, you know, in has more regular season receiving yards. And then also he has, um, uh, he has more receiving yards and I think also more receptions, one of those two. And then he also, and then uh, he also, and then the person who made the comparison also said that, uh, you know, Swan also. Or was it Heinz Ward? No, uh, no, I'm talking about Lynn Swan. Like Heinz Ward oh. too. Two should be two should be a Hall, Hall of Famer, but Lynn Swan, uh, you know, was a playoff performer for the Steelers in the '70s. You know, and the reason I kind of brought up that, uh, you know, little I wanted to bring this up originally during the Julian Edelman segment, uh, but uh, with part of the uh, but the but the person who made the comparison of a Lynn Swan Julian Edelman case was OJ Simpson on Twitter. <laughs> Oh man. Hello, Twitter world. Loose is loose. <laughs> Dude, can you believe that that guy still has a that, that guy has a Twitter? Hey man, you know, it's crazy. At least he didn't run for president. <laughs> oh god. Uh dude. Uh, I mean, he is just OJ Simpson, man, is just in, is just insane, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's something else. I don't I mean the fact that he's a Twitter. He's funny. He's very, oh, it, oh, it's hilarious. I mean, if you he knows look at what he's doing, doing, he knows exactly what he's doing. At least I really hope he does. <laughs> um, uh, but, anyways, uh, going. Yeah, just I mean, to wrap up that Julian Edelman thing, like you're talking about, <laughs> like, it's really hard to really determine because, you know, like primetime said, and it always goes back to this because, well, it's primetime. Um, he said he had he, he feels like a little disrespected about some of the people in the hall with him. And I mean, that's no disrespect. They're all really good players, but I agree with him. And, uh, you know, just a little thought to leave you with is that maybe there should be levels to the hall. Eh, I, I think that the hall of fame just is the hall of fame. I, I don't know about levels for it. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but you know, that's the idea of, of it being the hall of very good. I'd like to see Julian get in, but I, it would, it's definitely going to take a long time before he even gets in that consideration. He won't be a first, second, third, fourth, will not be in one of those ballots. So it will be a long time before he even get, you know, before he even has the chance to get the nod. I hope he does someday. And, but you know, I wish him the best. Uh, we also talked about whether the Falcons should draft Matt Ryan's replacement in this NFL draft. We talked about the Patriots possibly trading up for a draft pick. Uh, we discussed Shadavian uh, and Clowney going to the Cleveland Browns on a one-year $10 million deal. We discussed Aaron Rodgers' uh, Jeopardy shenanigans as he continues his two-week run as guest host. In PGA PGA News, we talked about Hideki Matsuyama becoming the first Japanese-born player to win the Masters in history. So, again, congrats up to him. We talked about what Tiger Woods could possibly – if Tiger Woods could ever possibly return to form and to the golf course, what he could bring to the table. Uh, in NBA news, we talked about Jason Tatum stepping up his uh, stepping up his performance after getting called up by Kendrick Perkins. So thank you, Perk. Really appreciate it. Finally, I'm able to someone's finally able to break through through to the kids. So we really appreciate it. Uh, we we discussed whether that whether uh, this recent surge uh, is the turning of the tide or if it's temporary. I still want to see a little more out of him before I can really make that you know assumption. Uh, with Mark, we also talked about Mark Cuban and Luka Doncic. Uh, you know, coming out against the idea of an NBA plan tournament for the lower two seeds. Again, we mentioned Kendrick Perkins because he ended up saying that because we ended up mentioning he uh, he basically mentioned that, you know, if you want to get in there, play better. So, again, that was something I took away from it. You know, there's definitely reasons why they could be upset with it. You know, it's you know, that you are losing 10 games on the season. So that's definitely tough. 
Uh, and then finally, we ended things off here tonight talking about, McGregor, about uh, McGregor Poirier 3 happening in Las Vegas on July 10th with a full crowd being reported to uh, be at that event. So that's going to be an electric atmosphere. I can't wait to see it. Uh, but we'll let you guys uh, enjoy enjoy your Wednesday night. Uh, so uh, from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. I'm John Warren. Thank you, guys. I hope you guys have a great night. Take care.